0: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you
2: Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport Two.
3: Hello and welcome to the show. Lots to talk about, and we will start by looking back at England's four-one win over Australia.
4: Ah, that's it. He gets his five for current. He's been brilliant, and it's a strong celebration. Tim Payne, unfortunately, couldn't
3: negotiate one. Right up there, swinging back. England and Chennai Super King, Mark Wood, will be with us shortly.
1: We're going to cross to South Africa as well to find out just how dangerous the Joburg pitch was and also talk Big Bash with one of Goffey's old mates, Tim Bresnan. Oh!
3: And Steve Armisen will bring us his weekly
1: rant. And we're going to bring you a brand new feature this week. We're going to look back at England's famous win in the dark in Pakistan back in 2000 with Goffe and also Marcus Druskothic.
3: You're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talksport 2. And with us as always is John Norman. He's with us down under. How are you, Johnny?
1: I'm very well, matey. Do you want to talk about cricket or do you want to talk about Fulham's uh, last minute winner against Barnsley that sees (laughs) us up into the playoff positions? Come on, you whites.
3: I knew you were going to bring that up. I'll tell you what, good result (laughs) from your boys to go to Orkwell. Uh, It's an hostile place, let me tell you, Uh, to go there and uh, get the result. And your super, super kid was outstanding.
1: I'll tell you what, it's uh, because of the time difference over here. The three o'clock kickoff, no good at all. (laughs) So I always wake up and check my phone. Uh, There's nothing better. Last minute winner. Okay, enough of that.
3: Let's go. Okay. Okay.
1: All I'm saying, it was a good week because um, after 10 matches, five test matches, and five ODIs, finally, we saw a close match. Um, on Sunday, England beating Australia by 12 wickets. And I tell you what, matey, I'm not just saying this, but there were shades uh, There's shades of Darren Goff uh, about young Tom Curran. You know, he's got the variety. He's got the... Did you see that dismissal to get rid of uh, David Warner? He's got the surprise uh, swing in Yorker. He even got a little bit of reverse swing there as well. It was uh, quite an impressive performance from him. Um, and fitting as well, England capping off what has been a wonderful ODI series with a come-from-behind win, I suppose you'd say.
3: Do you know something? I have never, ever looked at my phone and seen so many people co- comparing Tom Curran to Darren Collins. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's in one day cricket at this moment in time. I can see at the end the way yeah. he bowled at the end with his varieties, in-swinging Yorkers, the way uh, he finished it off getting Tim Payne out was an absolutely gem of a delivery Late reverse swing, full. That's the way to ball at the end of an innings. So I can see the comparison. But people said it's the gel there and the way he (laughs) walks, the strut. I didn't have a Surrey strut. He's got a Surrey strut.
1: Um, you've still got a strut
3: <laughs> yeah. no but it was good to see listen he's, he's another one of the young players I think he's more of a one day player at this moment in time I think he's going to have to yeah. wait a while for another bash at um, the longer form of the game I don't think he's quite ready for that yet uh, but he's played and it will give him confidence going forward but I think one day cricket is where he really shines and he, he's going to be the one England are going to have to try and get him in on a regular basis and let's just think he wouldn't have played if it weren't mm. for Plunkett's injury
1: well that that was the other thing, wasn't it? Because uh, England were without their the three bowlers that had got them this far. Lynn Plunkett was injured. Um Chris Wokes uh, and Mark Wood, who's coming on the show a bit later on, uh, were both arrested. So they went in with Jake Ball, who was you know, he almost passed out at one point. Um and of course, it
3: was all carried on. a bit
1: dark. Yeah. No, I couldn't either, so so credit to him. Uh, David Willey who's been playing Big Bash, suddenly he, he turned up for England, and uh, and TC, so, uh, well, look, credit where credit's due, and I know England uh, were eight for five uh, in that fourth ODI, but you know what, on another day, they would have won the toss, and if they'd won the toss, they would have won that match, and they could be looking back at a 5-0 win.
3: Yep, England were outstanding. Um, Owen Morgan, although he didn't play well throughout the series, captained uh, excellent. Um, The spinners, uh, Rashid, uh, although expensive at times, just took wickets, and that's what you want from your spinner. Um, If he's going to be expensive, as long as he's taking wickets, he's great to have in the side, um, which he proved. Moen Ali with a ball um, was pretty good, I would say, throughout the series. Um, Batting, still not batting at his fluent best, but he's a major part of England's one-day success. Yeah, Roy got off to a flyer. I had a disappointing uh, time of it um, after the first one. We thought we were going to get fireworks through. Hales didn't quite fire. Root was excellent. Absolutely brilliant. brilliant. Best brilliant. or short signs and why he gets in the side. So, yeah, all, all together, um, we were excellent uh, throughout, and it could easily have been 5-0. This Australian side, were all over the place. They don't know their best side. They don't know whether Smith gets into their best 50 or the side, and I think they're going to have a few problems over the next 12 months trying to work out their best team.
1: And they panicked. You know, even in oh, that fourth time. ODI... There you had England eight for five. And punning. Eight for five. And they still almost bottled it. So uh, it was great great to see. Look, we're going to talk about that in some depth and hear from some of the main men um, uh, later in the show. We're going to cross back to Australia, speak to uh, PA cricket reporter Rory Dollard about that. He was at the match. um, He's been at the whole series, actually. So we get his thoughts. But arguably overshadowing England beating Australia in Australia, the uh, auction, player auction, IPL. Uh, Big surprises. Uh, Big, big surprises, actually. I suppose the top one is that we're not going to be able to see Joe Root playing in the IPL this year. So does that mean that now he does play the T20 Tri-Series? I I get a bit confused.
3: Oh, yeah, I don't get it at all now. Um, If I were Joe Root, I'd want to play now. Um, mm. I, I was disappointed he pulled out of England games and made himself available for the IPL but once that's happened now I thought he was going to get snapped up and I thought he'd be a million dollar uh, player without a doubt the way he controls the game uh, one of the best in the business um, he averages nearly 15 all forms fantastic player and for the team they've missed a trick there and Mr. Trick, I've not Joe Root not getting one of the franchises in the IPL is is a disgrace really. When you look at some of the players that got retained by uh, franchises and got picked up by franchises, he's the best of the lot. He absolutely is. When you see about Smith being retained and being captain of the the Bangalore, uh, sorry, uh, Royals, how Joe Root's not got a gig? I cannot get my head round it. I really can't.
1: I saw you on Twitter. Actually, you were saying that the unselected team would beat the selected team, and you know oh. what? They there might be a batsman light, but you've got a. They might have one or two too many bowlers, but you've got a good point. I mean, you have got. Um, let's have a look at the batsman who didn't get signed up. Alex Hales, who up to recently had scored the the, the biggest uh, century for England in ODIs. Owen Morgan, who's got bags of experience. Johnny Bairstow. Uh, and Joe Root, that's uh, that's not a bad four in terms of batting. Joe Denley as well, who's had a bit of renaissance. And then with the ball, no Tamar Mills after he went for a million last year. No Liam Plunkett, who's taken wickets for fun at the last two years. <laughs> no Adil Rashid. I mean, it's it's a little bit mind-boggling.
3: Well, to be fair, um, I think one of the biggest problems is there's no English uh, coaches within the IPL. I think it's a massive uh, kick in the teeth. Um, and, I, and I think around the world, some of the s- selection snubs are, are, are unreal. Gupto from New Zealand has, has started off an in innings as as destructive as anyone, not yeah. got picked up. Dale Steyn, I know he's had injury problems. It was going to be difficult for him. But still, uh, the way he bowls, he can bowl 90 miles an hour if he was fit. Malinga, 154 wickets in the IPL at 19. I know he's getting on, his fitness is not as good as it was, but still a good player to have within your squad. Morne Morkel, been outstanding the last 12 months. I would say it's the best 12 months of his career. Ishant Sharma, Indian, local player, didn't get picked up. Sodi from New Zealand, leg spinner, uh, picked up by Warwickshire, Birmingham Bears, mm. number one ranked T20 bowler in the world, didn't get picked up. Yeah, other guys... From Afghanistan, from Nepal, and congratulations to them guys, uh, by the way. Amla and Root not picked up. Some unbelievable players uh, just got ignored in the IPL auction, and and I'm, I was I amazed for it. Liam Plunkett even get brought back in for a second round or third round.
1: Uh, one player obviously not uh, going to be playing in the IPL, but he'll have that uh, funky Indian top on that they always uh, they always wear. Uh, I'm sure he's going to be doing some presentation out there. He's been doing it uh, down under. Kevin Peterson uh, bowing out his last game for, in Melbourne. Uh, mm. And, of course, uh, he took centre stage, as he always does. Uh, got the score that the crowd wanted, that we all wanted, really. Um, but uh, that's that's just about it, really, for KP. The story this week, he wants back in the England fold to coach the ODI side. Can you see that happening well, Andrew Strauss has still got uh, something to do at the ECB?
3: No, I can't see it happening. Um, I, I've chatted to uh, him about this at, at length we, um, when when he pops over now and again, and we have a chat uh, about charity and rhinos, and he had the rhino day, didn't he, there, his final day. And he actually got a send-off he should have had uh, in England, to be fair. It was a great send-off. Well done, Australia, for giving an absolute legend of the game a proper send-off uh, that he deserves for what he's done uh in world cricket. So it's been brilliant sender for him. He's on a flight now. I think he's on his way home. So, um, yeah, and we're not going to see him much, are we? I think he's going to play in the PSL, the Pakistan Super League, I think, and that's it. I don't think we'll see him play cricket again. Possibly South Africa for their delayed tournament. I think he'll play in the first one when it gets done next year in October. And then I don't think we'll see him ever play cricket again, which is probably about the right time, if we're going to be honest. It's coming to an end.
1: Yes, it is, but uh, how the world has changed, eh? All the stick KP got for wanting to play IPL and <laughs> not playing some England games, and yet I can't I can't see any criticism of Joe Root's decision not to play for England in that tri-series uh, and to put himself forward for the IPL, even though his coach, Trevor Bayliss, said he didn't want him to do it, so uh, or advised him not to yeah, do it. I, the, I don't, don't want to misquote the guy.
3: Yeah, there's lots of... Owen Morgan has uh, gone and played it year after year and not concentrate on the red ball. Now, he, is he going to start the season for Middlesex um, in in four-day cricket, or is he going to be rested? Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that at the start of the season, Owen Morgan having to play against the red ball, uh, seeming <laughs> ball at Lord's. Good luck, Owen. He's not done it for a while. But the good, the positive is all these guys now, Bairstow, Plunkett, uh, Tom Curran, uh, Tamal, well, Tamal Mills don't play uh, four-day cricket, Alex Hales, Owen Morgan, they're all going to play Joe Root. They're all going to play county cricket now, aren't they? So well, I'll, tell you what,
1: I'll tell you what, Coffee. you'll be happy about that, but so will one of our guests later on the show, and it is an absolute uh, crackerjack of a show that we're bringing you this week. We've got Tim Bresnan, who no doubt will be delighted uh, to see uh, some of those players you mentioned line up alongside him for Yorkshire um, later in the season. He's going to come on. He's uh, not playing in the IPL, but... He is playing in the semifinals of the Big Bash for the Perth Scorchers. So we're going to be chatting to him about that. We've got Marcus Straskothik... Uh, on the show new feature Test of Time uh, a brilliant brilliant uh, feature as well we're going to look back at that wonderful wonderful series back in 2000 which you and Tres Gothic uh, both played a huge part of England of course winning in the dark in Karachi Uh, Steve Armisen's going to be joining us as he does every week with his rant we do not know what he's going to be ranting about Uh, we're going to cross to South Africa what a test match over there Uh, Joburg called off it was uh, Shays of Sabina Park back in 98. We're going to be talking about that. Mark Wood on his call-up to the IPL on that uh, 4-1 win over uh, the old enemy. And of Rory Dollard as well, who was uh, following it for the Press Association. All that and more. You're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talk sport 2.
2: Online and on DAB Digital Radio. Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talk TalkSport 2. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. He
4: gets his five for current. He's been brilliant. And it's a strong celebration. Tim Payne, unfortunately, couldn't negotiate one. Right up there, swinging back.
5: I hadn't really started training yet to then come as a replacement for the Ashes. You know, sat on the side for a couple of months, got my go in the tests didn't really go as well as I would have liked. And then, yeah, it's just been a, a roller coaster, But I guess that's what happens. It happens very quickly. Obviously, ball well up front. But to come in at a stage of the game, where the game was really in the balance, we just stoned us out the other end. And to get a wicket of Maxwell, obviously, did swing momentum quite nicely.
1: Certainly did, uh, Goffey. Australia, I think, finally, might have stumbled upon the team that they should have started with at the start of the series. But... Now, as we mentioned, they absolutely panicked um, when they started losing wickets. They still had three or four wickets left, and you could just see them tense up uh, and really from uh, from the point that Tom Curran turned the match it was uh, it was all england 's game
3: yeah, firstly up. England were fantastic, Um, the way they balled. Willie had a little bit of swing. There was swing throughout the game. I thought the stadium was um, excellent. Tom Curran, 5 for 35, someone so young. I think he's the second youngest player, English player behind Wolks who did it uh, the last tour out there, was superb. Uh, Moeen Ali picked up three wickets. Uh, Rashid uh, picked up his usual wicket. Um, And throughout the game, we were just a better side, weren't we? I mean... 2-5-9 Two five nine all out wasn't enough, but against this Australian side who are struggling uh, to which is their best order, what is their best players they brought Maxwell back um, and I just can't work out Australia at the moment, uh, John I'll, I'll be honest I can't work them out at all.
1: Let's see if uh, Rory Dollard, uh, Press Association cricket reporter, who was at the uh, the Optus Stadium at fifty-three and a half thousand, by the way, at that opening of that uh, ground, uh, joins us uh, on the show. Uh, Rory, can you work out the Australian side? Did they did they finally conjure up the team that they may have should well they should have started uh, way back at the start of this uh, series, or can you really gloss over? the fact that if Steve Smith and David Warner consistently don't score runs, it makes it very difficult for, uh, for Australia to win a game of ODI cricket.
6: Well, hello, lads. How are you doing? Um, yeah, yeah nice, uh, nice time we had uh, last night in, in Perth. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that they came close to getting th- their best team, but, you know, they, they still seem to have a, a Nathan Lyon problem. They can't seem to get the best spinner in the country into the team, and that's a curious... A curious one. Probably Tim Payne is not quite as an effective white ball player as as Alex Carey. So, I I think there's still problems. They've seemed confused to me with their selection. They brought Cameron White back at the age of, I think, nearly 35, and he didn't play. Then he batted at seven, and then he batted at three. So, that, to me, speaks of a team who are making it up as they go
3: along a bit, I think. (laughs) Mate, I think you've got it spot on. I think they are making it up um, as it goes along. I thought Jay Richardson... Uh, who plays uh, out there for the Scorchers um, in Western Australia. I think he's a fantastic talent, and I'd I'd somehow try and fit him into my side as well. I know Andrew Ty picked up five wickets um, in that match, and he's a very, very uh, reliable bowler. Um, And I just don't think they know the best team, whether it be the spinner, whether it be the wicket-keeper, or whether it be who's their best opener um, alongside Finch. I mean, Warner looks like he needs a break to me. Yeah, agreed. And actually, funny
5: enough,
6: Darren, he's the player who's actually got the biggest workload coming up because he he's, uh, captaining, the, he's captaining the T20 team against England in the, in the games coming up. Uh, Steve Smith and the rest of the specialists are going out to South Africa for test matches and, and Warner's going to captain the T20 series and then parachute straight back into the test. So, I mean, they're running him ragged. In terms of the opener, Travis Head uh, averages 67 in the four games that he's opened and he averages 37 in his other 30 games. So, uh, they're just not, they're not reading the, the signs here, I don't think, Australia. Um, I, I'm not quite sure why. One thing I would say is that England seemed significantly better focused for this series in that they had Owen Morgan, who'd spent the best part of a month after Christmas working out what he was going to do with this series. And Steve, Steve Smith came into the series fresh from a fantastic Ashes win. And to be honest, from, from ball one game one, Steve Smith looked absolutely knackered mentally, physically. He just looked like it was the last thing he needed to be be playing this series. I think there's a, a bit of a a bit of a move in Australia here to ask should he really be captaining across all formats? Is that going to be the best solution for them? Mm, that well that's interesting. Have we have we peaked too early,
3: England? Um we know we basically know our starting eleven. Although Tom Curran uh, has actually put a spanner in the works now by uh, picking up that five wickets because <laughs> he only played because Plunkett was injured. So we yeah. know just about our 11 when Stokes is somehow going to get back in as well. But with Australia, yeah, yeah. you could see at least five or six of their players not being part of their World Cup 11. Yeah, I mean,
1: you're
6: exactly right. I mean, in terms of just, just uh, finishing up on Australia, really, the Cameron White pick seemed to me... To be a, the really the suggestion that they weren't that the heads were scrambled. You know, I don't think anyone imagines that Cameron White at 30, pushing 36, is going to be in the 2019 World Cup. That seems implausible. So to, to give him the games instead of Glenn Maxwell just didn't didn't make any sense at all. Have England peaked too early? Um, I, I think, given our one day, our one day history, you know, present company notwithstanding, Darren, um, it's better to be peaking at all than than some of the other times we've had in in the white ball game but yeah I mean I think the fact that we've got a really consistent settled squad I think it's no bad thing because actually we know the we know the bones of the squad probably 15 of the 16 maybe you might say there's room for one bolter but um you know I think there's still quite healthy competition within that 16 you know you've got uh Roy and Bearstone Hills and and realistically they're probably playing for two spots because you know make no bones about it Ben Stokes will be back in the team there's there's no way you look beyond a player like that so Realistically, you've got three players in the top three, and they kind of know that they're they're going up against each other. So a little bit of healthy competition. The same with Curran and and, and uh, Liam Plunkett, and throw David Williams into the mix potentially, and Jake Ball. You know, the, a little bit of internal competition it, it still exists. You know, there's there's nobody in that setup who is looking forward to ferrying drinks at the home World Cup.
1: Uh, Rory, there was a worrying moment in the match. You mentioned Jake Ball there. Um, he, he he seemed to have be carrying some kind of injury. Uh, then he seemed to be affected by the heat, and then it looked like he was he was almost it was very unsteady on his feet. Was there uh, was there any talk following the match about what exactly it was that was uh, affecting him so badly? There was. I mean,
6: I don't know if they've got uh, any further clarity on that today. We haven't obviously seen the team today. They've had a bit of downtime, I think we'll call it. Um, but Owen Morgan spoke about it yesterday, and he said that it was a dizzy spell, basically. He said that he he, some, he quite suddenly felt dizzy and, and, and lost his balance. And he basically reported back to Morgan that he didn't, he didn't really feel confident to run in and bowl the ball. Uh, in, a, in a match situation like that, that's obviously tricky. And I think Owen Morgan decided quite quickly that they could get him off the field uh, and dealt with quite quickly. And as long as he was back, Quite quickly and the doctors had a chance to look at him and then he'd be able to, to finish up. And I think credit to Jake Ball, actually, he's had a tricky winter. He played the first test of the Ashes and the last game of the ODIs and nothing in between. It's not been, you know, not been professionally very uh, stimulating for him, I wouldn't have thought that, but he, he sort of stepped up and did what he had to do despite feeling you know, pretty uncomfortable.
1: Brilliant stuff, uh, Rory. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. You, uh, you, you're sticking around Down Under. Uh, the T20 Tri-Series coming up involving New Zealand and Australia. It, uh, it's, it's the tour that never ends. It's the winter that never ends, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you throw into that the fact that we arrived for the
6: Ashes one-day series, T20 series, straight into a bilateral New Zealand series, and then a good chunk of this squad are going to play IPL for seven or eight weeks. It's it's a full-time job. <laughs> it's really a job now for these boys. If they're, uh, if they're taking every opportunity that's offered, they're, they're never stopping. I mean, I think that's something they're mindful of. Obviously, Joe, Joe Root and Chris Walks and um, Moeen Ali are resting from the T20s. And, you know, I think as the paying punter, you're going to have to accept the fact you're not going to see... Every player, every time. I'll tell you what. Do just a cricket. just a quick question
3: on that. With with the with we're having us eight English players actually over at the IPL. Will will the IPL have a strong media representation from the UK? Uh,
6: I wouldn't think so. <laughs> it's um, treading carefully. It's not always uh, the most uh, open door policy. In you do have to. Curious, curious ways of going about it. I think there'll be a, a little bit, um, but it's, I think it's such a such a circus in terms of in in one place out out to the next, flying mm. here, flying there. And I'm not sure the access is spectacular. So I think you know there'll be a lot of interested eyes, but I don't know that there'll be at close quarters necessarily. Mm.
1: Brilliant stuff, Rory. Go well. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. That's uh, Rory Dollard, uh, Press Association cricket reporter. I tell you what, Goffy uh, there will be an English contingent from the journalist, a journalist contingent there if Ben Stokes plays his first game in the IPL <laughs> rather than for England, I bet you.
3: Oh, yeah, of course. Um, I think, well, It's going to happen, isn't it? Let's be honest about it. That's what's probably going to happen. I think there will mm. be a a, a a strong representation. Um, we've got eight players there. I think it, it deserves the coverage. It's a big tournament yeah, but, now, As but, and, and, and eight players. There's a lot of England players to have out there.
1: Yeah, but um, the problem is, Goffey, they have been cutbacks uh, throughout all of the media, and these journalists, they've been out there. I mean, the likes of, like, Nick Holt at The Telegraph, Dean Wilson, who was on the show last week um, at The Daily Mirror, John Etheridge at The Sun. You know, they they have been out in Australia for best part of three months, Um some of them will be coming back for the New Zealand Series. So,
3: you, so I mean, you think they need a break? They need a rest? They need a Joe Root? <laughs> they,
1: they, I tell you what they need. They need more journalists at all those newspapers. But they look at all those newspapers. Most of them have got one cricket correspondent, and that's it. So I wonder who they can send. Although it does remind me a little bit. Can you remember? We'll go, I mean, won't we? we? Talk. We'll go, oh, won't we? I reckon What's so? your problem? I mean, oh, <laughs> definitely. I'm not sure. Well, I tell you what. You tell my missus, and I'll tell yours.
3: Yeah. I'll yeah. leave that with you.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, plenty more to come. We're going to be talking IPL, actually. We're going to speak to Mark Wood. He's been signed up by the Chennai Super Kings. They're back in the uh, IPL after two years out, so that would be interesting. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Stokesy. We're going to be talking a lot about uh, what it's going to mean for uh, the player himself. We've got Marcus Truscothic on the show coming up as well. Tim Bresnan. We've got Steve Harmison's rant and... We're going to cross to Johannesburg after an incredible test match was uh, temporarily suspended because of a dangerous pitch. All that and more. You're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talk Sport 2.
2: Online and on DAB Digital Radio. Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talk Sport 2.
1: So, Goffy. Um, uh... I suppose a big. It was a bit bizarre, actually. I was watching and reporting on the fifth test, mat, uh, fifth ODI, uh, Australia against England, and I, like many of the players actually on the field, had one eye on the game, and one eye on the IPL draft, <laughs> the player auction, and it was it was bizarre, wasn't it? Because you know, you was you was going. Besto was batting; he didn't get picked up. Hales was batting; he didn't get picked up. Um, and there's some of the other players, Andrew Ty who took a fiver, millionaire. Well, was,
3: um, do you know, so well, Jai Richardson, who I think's got pace, he, he, he reminds yes. me of uh, Woody, actually, who, who, who obviously uh, got picked up by uh, CSK, but... I think he's got serious pace. I think he'd be brilliant at T20 cricket. And and I put a few tweets out yesterday. Some of the selections, I I just don't get. I think there's too many friends' picks in in the IPL. I think it's a a serious issue. Um, Because when you think about England's one-day side, so many great players. We've proved Mm. that the way we've played over the last two, three years. How some of the players have not got picked up is an absolute... It's comical. It it really is comical. Give us an
1: example. Joe Joe Root's the obvious one, I guess.
3: Well, I thought every single player um, who's playing out there would have got picked up and should have been picked up at some point. Um, I can see the Jordan and the Billings getting picked up as well. I would have expected them. But Alberto, has been great in all cricket. Alex Hales at Sixers for fun. Joe Root controls an in innings. Controls an in yeah. innings if he bats first, gets the score on the board, judges the pitch quicker than most players... Uh, around the world. When you look at Duplessis, when you look at Kim um, Williamson, Joe Root's better than them at doing that, in judging a pitch, yeah. chasing down a total, manipulating the field. He's absolutely superb at it. And Giddy from South Africa, has one good test match gets picked up in the IPL, Liam Plunkett's been outstanding for 18 months in white ball cricket. doesn't get a gig. It, it, it just does not make sense to me. Uh, there's no English coaches out there um, and that's one of I think that's one of the biggest issues uh, with the IPL and um, the selection. But congratulations to all the players who got a gig. Uh, some of them instant millionaires, basically. It
1: that's was, my uh, rant. It, Well, and it was a good one. Um, it, it was bizarre that I mean, you mentioned uh, the South African guy who's play one test and he gets called up. Dale Steyn. I know he's had a few injury problems, but Dale, mm. Dale Steyn wasn't uh, wasn't picked up. Um, I'll tell you another one, though. Sam Billings, you meant you flagged it up last week. Sam Billings, new Kent captain. Well, if he's not going to be carrying drinks for England, he's going to be playing it's a joke. in the IPL? That's a very, very strange decision by Kent. Should shouldn't
3: you? be shouldn't be Kent, Kent captain. Absolutely ridiculous decision. While he's got ambitions to play for England, which he has, and he's always going to be part of the squad, because he's a good uh, one-day player. He's a good backup player. When you've got a, uh, an injury or you want to rotate, Sam Billings... Not quite good enough to be in the 11 at this moment, but he's definitely good enough to be in the squad. He's going to be around that England squad for the next two years and longer. He's going to be at the IPL now for all of it because he doesn't play test cricket. And Kent now is going to have to be their vice-captain who actually went into the auction as well. Was it Joe Denley? I think he went into the auction and didn't get picked up. So it's ridiculous yeah. from start to finish the whole uh, selection uh, campaign of of Kent looking for a captain. is, is it, it is really comical. It really is.
1: Well, one man who did get picked up. Well, actually, there was quite a few Englishmen who did get picked up. Moeen Ali uh, got a gig. Ben Stokes, of course, massive money. Chris Wokes, um, very impressive last year. And uh, I can see why uh, he got big money again this year. Uh, Sam Billings did, of course. Jason Roy is going to be there. Chris Jordan. Uh, and, of, uh, and also the man who joins us now, uh, fresh from England's uh, triumph over the Aussies, 4-1, uh, it's Mark Wood. And uh, pleased to say you're joining us on the show, Mark. And if I can, uh, before we start talking a bit about IPL, can I just say that after watching England play uh, in the Test Series for uh, five matches, it took you one ball, one ball. <laughs> To get absolutely everybody suddenly alert and upright and watching, uh, watching the cricket again. Coming in straight away with a bouncer to David Warner, and four balls, le- four balls later, you get the wicket. Markwood is back. Have it.
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that was the plan. Obviously, I think um, I mentioned uh, uh, Chris Silverwood um, and Paul Fabrice. Look, I wanted to, to set the tone with that first ball. Um, and I thought the best way to go about was to, to let him have it straight away. So I was like, look, this is the plan. Um, we're tuning throwing a little bit. Well, you know, the, the top of off, it's always the most dangerous ball, but I thought the way that the winter had gone, I thought it was um, the right thing to do to show that we're not going to be sort of bullied by Australia anymore, and we're going to be the ones on the front foot. So but that's it. I'm going to let him have it. So it set the tone well, I thought.
3: Woody, when you play in Australia, um, it, it's great when you're a bowler, when you see the ball carrying to the keeper, um, being a fast bowler, it, it's the best feeling in the world. And no matter if the pitches are flat, when you see that ball carrying, it doesn't half give you a boost, doesn't it, as an opening bowler?
5: Absolutely. But um, I actually got a little bit of a um, telling off from Silverwood in the last game. At Adelaide for bowling too short. You sort of get that lovely um, sort of carry through the way to keep think, Oh, this is... Tremendous as a fast bowler, but it's actually the fuller length the ones that that like, get the nicks. And I was sort of in that last game I was either too full or too short. And there is a no matter what pitch you're blowing on, there is that perfect length, as you know, Goffey. So um, i got a bit of a tail off for of that, but it it is great to see the ball carry through. And it um, as a fast bowler, there's nothing better when you get look up at the screen or, or you see the it carry through the um It's a great feeling.
3: You're right about the length to ball in Australia. Um, it was one of the uh, teams against the Tours. I always had decent success. And being a skiddy bowler, people think you're not going to be successful when you go to a place like Australia because everybody seems to be tall um, and hit the pitch. Uh, but if you hit your length, your natural length, our natural length, because you're a similar height to me, on the right length, <laughs> you do get bounce. You do get carry. Um, and you do get the nicks, and most of my wickets over there were actually nick off uh, to slips, second mm. slip. That's re- that's the most common wicket in Australia. Caught second slip.
5: Yeah, and that was the sort of wicket I got in the game. So uh, although it was one day of cricket, and maybe at the end of games you're bowling yorkers or slower mm. balls and things, the, the genuine ball, the wickets that I got were um, caught slip, caught way to keep my nick offs and Sydney so, mm. and things. Like that. So I got wickets where if you get the right length out here, uh, you do get your rewards.
1: Woody, tell us the truth. Were uh, did was the IPL draft uh, on on the TVs whilst uh, whilst the game was going on on Sunday?
5: <laughs> no, the lads had a bit of banter about it, um, a, a bit of fun in the dressing room and stuff. But to be honest, um, I was pretty relaxed about it. I was I was obviously hopeful, but I was just thinking, well, if it doesn't come, then I I, I know what I've got to do with Durham and things like that. Um, there was a bit of banter flying around with uh, some of the other lads with what price they were going to go for and, and stuff like that. But um, it's nice to see a few lads in the same team and stuff. So um, I think Mogg's made sure that everyone was concentrated on the cricket and not uh, yeah. not too much on the IPL draft.
3: I tell you what, that must have been difficult, though. Um, I missed the IPL, unfortunately, in my career. But mm-hmm. what well, it must have been difficult. You played in a one-day international. You'd seen the first day go, when a few lads had got picked up. Come round the second mm-hmm. day, and there's still, like I say, I cannot believe not every single player in that one-day squad didn't get picked up. Um, I think that's the lack of English coaches that are over there working within the IPL. That, that's a different story. And I'd love to take a team of all the people that didn't get picked and take on the rest. And I put on Twitter a yeah. trophy. Um, I'd definitely win the trophy with all the players that are left. But it must have been difficult for some of the players to concentrate, though. I know you don't want to be focused, but it's in the back of your mind, isn't it, Woody?
5: Definitely, I think uh, I think if you you were playing, you'd have gone for an absolute fortune anyway. So it'd be hard for you to concentrate. Um, <laughs> well, you never know. Like, uh, wait, get your, get your boots on now and can see what you can do. Eh? So <laughs> I'm sure they'll still pick you up if you if you made available. But uh, I like to Rookie and um, people like that. Like, I couldn't believe that they didn't go. That's such. No. I mean, Rudy's class act. Any format he plays in, you know what I mean? He's. I just couldn't believe that he went unsold. I, I don't know if it, like you say, it's a lack of English coaches or. Um, he, I mean, he hasn't played um, big bash or anything now like because he's been on international duty. So is that a? I don't know if that's maybe been an issue or something. Because the lads that have been picked up for big money um, who have done really well, Joffre Archer, um, Andrew Tyde, they've all done well um, in the big bash and maybe other competitions um, around the world, Bangladesh and things like that. So um, I think that's worked against uh, Rudy and other people in our team because. Um, I find it hard to believe that. I actually believe that we're probably one of the best one-day sides in the world, um, whether that's one day and 2020. I really do believe that. I know maybe um, we didn't win the Champions Trophy and things like that. We've got the final of the 2020. So in our team, we've got some top tier one-day players that you'd think everyone in the world would want to add a copy or have in their team. So um, I was very surprised that more people didn't get picked up.
3: Well, players like, uh, similar to Root, actually, I think Amish Amla from South Africa, he didn't get picked up either, which was a surprise. Mm. Somebody at the top end, um, Chris Gale got picked right at the end. I know he went, still went for a few quid, mm. but he was like, they threw his name in for, the, I think it was the third or fourth time, didn't they, before someone picked him up and they got a round of applause because he's got so much mm. to offer still, I think, uh, Chris Gale. Dale Steyn snubbed. Leon Plunkett snubbed. Soddy from um, oh, New Zealand, number one ranked leg spinner in T20, <laughs> Didn't get picked up. Mm. Some strange yeah. ones.
5: Yeah, I think Pudsey... Um, I've I'll, I'll spent a lot of time, obviously, with Pudsey in the dressing room because we weren't playing um, that second... Uh, the, the, the second day of the draw and uh, the game. So um, he, we both were in, I think, three after each other. So we were quite close. And Pudsey was just saying... Um, he'd come in the dressing he said, I'm not even there. And I was like, well, what do you mean? He says, well, my name's gone. I was like, what do you mean It's gone. He says, "Well, they've just left me out." I says, "Surely not me! Like you, could, you took the most weight to the one day." I said, "Yeah." He's like, "No, I'm, I'm gone." <laughs> he had the huff on for about ten minutes, but then he realised. I think that you um, could come back in or something like that. But the likes of Gale and stuff, I just I couldn't believe it took so long. But he was actually saying to I me, mean, he played against Gale in the Bangladesh thing, and he he whacked a hundred or something off. Not many balls because mm-hmm. he he's he's, a, he's phenomenal uh, to bowl at when I mean, he said uh, out there on the small grounds on those pitches, he's very difficult to bowl, especially if he gets going.
3: Yeah, and what about uh, you playing in the same team as um, MS Dorney? That's going to be interesting. He's an absolute legend in India. You are not going to—you don't want to be going out with him for a pint.
5: <laughs> no, I no, no, yeah, reckon that he just leaves his daughter and, and plays FIFA all night, so I reckon Sam mm. Billings will be on to him. He's in the same team, so he'll be on that all night. Um, <laughs> but he's obviously a legend of the game, isn't he? Someone that, um, I mean, I've had... 50 million responses on Twitter uh, putting out about going to Chennai saying that I'm going from a, cu- a cub to a lion. So <laughs> um, I, I suppose MS Donio shows the the, ro- the ropes and, yeah, he'd be one of them, wouldn't he? He'd be a role model for, for the younger Indian lads and someone to look up to for, for me who's played at National Cricket as well. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Woody, what's the reaction been back home in, uh, in Durham? Because uh, I imagine it must be a little bit bittersweet because... I'm sure they wouldn't mind having you and uh, Stokes to play in the county championship uh, rather than uh, getting a suntan in India.
5: Yeah, I think, well, the coach is quite supportive, to be honest. Um, He dropped us a touch just saying, well done, Um, and and just when would I be back, I think. So I think he was already trying to get his timings right. But um, from a Durham point of view, obviously, if I'm looking to try and play Test cricket, which is still... the my ultimate goal if I can get my body right then um, playing red ball cricket early season would have done me a lot of favours but I think at the same time um, it's a great chance to, to sort of try something new Um Dwayne Bravo is in the team that I'm playing for and he's got a, an unbelievable slow ball and someone that I'd love to pick his brain to try and help me in sort of my career and um, if, I, if I can develop something like that then when I come back to England um, it'll only do hopefully me and the team team good, you know, so there's as, as benefits and um, definitely go to the IBL, but at the same time, I think um, I, I will miss Durham, even though it'll be minus five in April up there, um, I, will, <laughs> I will miss playing um, in playing the coming championship.
3: I tell you what, though, just on that, on, on some of the prices that players have gone for, make sure, but uh, you've gone for a nice little uh, price there, but make sure it's Butler, Wokes and Stokes that are buying the, the evening meals. Uh, and the champagne, yeah. because they've gone for... That Stokesy, he's had a couple of good years, hasn't he, on the old uh, cash front?
5: Uh, he's not done too bad, has he? Uh, he'll be buying a castle in right,
3: Newcastle. Yeah. <laughs> 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 exactly,
5: yeah. You know, he's, uh, he's got a tally pad already from the last one, so I dread to think what he'll buy now, so uh, we'll wait and see.
1: <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Uh, Marks, thanks so much. Uh, really enjoyed seeing you back playing in England colours as well, and yeah. uh, look forward to seeing how the Tri-Series goes as well. I know you're sticking out there for a, a while longer, but uh, appreciate your time.
3: Thanks, sides, Cheers. Good luck, mate, and well done. Cheers, Goffy.
1: That's, uh, that's uh, Mark Woods. Uh, and I tell you what, Goffy, you know, it's it just shows how quickly life changes, really, and this game. Because, you know, back in the day, uh, a player like Mark Woods who had his heart set on playing in the Ashes and, it, it, you know, his fitness just let him down right at the end and, and that would have been it. You know, he wouldn't have had any cricket for a good four or five months um, and it would have been difficult for him to get past that. But, you know, in this in this world we live in now, you know, you have the Ashes series, then you've got a one day, then you've got the T20s and then, of course, you got the IPL and, you know, he's gone from the disappointment of not making the Ashes squad to suddenly... He's just won a series in Australia um, and he's just got himself an IPL contract as well. And, and hopefully, you know, it will see him go through the summer playing for England again. It's, uh, it's, I suppose it's just something to remember when things seem a bit bleak.
3: Couldn't be more pleased. I, he's an absolutely diamond uh, bloke. Um, I love the way he bowls. Um, unfortunately, with his action, I think he's going to pick up the odd injury in there. We've got to accept that. But if we can keep him on the field, like Australia have kept Cummins on the field, um, he's going to be a huge asset uh, to England going forward. He works harder than anybody I've ever seen on his fitness. He doesn't drink. um, So this guy works his socks off and he just wants to bowl fast and take wickets. Trust me on that. Absolutely Mm. trust me. This guy lives for cricket. And this would have been his dream. And he's naturally got... Not looking at the cash, because if you take the tax out, which he's going to, he's not, he'd probably earn that same playing for Durham, if we're going to be honest. But he's got the opportunity now um, to go and play in a tournament where it should improve his game. He's mentioned there learning. He's all talking about cricket, isn't he? Not the money, learning off Dwayne Bravo, a good slow ball, being around Dorney. And that just sums him up as a bloke. So I couldn't be, I'm absolutely over the moon for him
1: brilliant stuff uh, that was Mark Woods joining us on Talk Sport 2 you're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week
2: online and on DAB Digital Radio Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport2
1: you're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport2 with me John Norman and uh, that was uh, an incredible test match uh, well it's been an incredible test series actually Uh, uh, Three test matches played, Goffey. And I think I'm right in saying this, but every single wicket that could have fallen, 120 wickets was taken. And that cannot happen very often.
3: (laughs) Do you know something? It was a good series. Um, One thing about India, listen, the pitches were friendly. Uh, Let's be honest about it. In South Africa, you can see why they did it, but I, I don't like to see it. I want to see a test match. Uh, It's going to be hard fought and the best bowlers take the wickets. It's been my biggest criticism of county cricket at some point. And those three pitches were just not good enough for, for test cricket. But they created some unbelievable entertainment. But a big positive for India throughout all this is that they've gone away from home and they've now got a seam attack that can compete with anyone. And that's always been a weakness for them. Spin's always been their strength, haven't it? Uh, spin mm. wherever they go, their spinners yep. always get get them into the game. Might not win the games, but get them in the game. Now, India have got a group of bowlers who can bowl. They've got Kumar, uh, who swings the ball, uh, both in and out, with the new ball. They've got Shami, who's got a bit of pace. He's aggressive. They've got Bumrad, who's an orthodox, who took five for in the second test in, I think it was Port Elizabeth, or Centurion, um, and he bowled decent as well at the Wanderers. Isn't Sharma. With the experience and Pandey, who's the all-rounder, um, very impressive all-rounder. So they've got, they've got all the tools now, India, and they're going to be hard for England uh, when they come over to England. Because the pictures won't be as, as bad as they were in South Africa. But I tell you what, they've got a decent bowling attack to match the batting now.
1: Well, a man who's seen uh, more cricket than most uh, was following the series uh, as he does. South African cricket uh, uh, broadcaster and journalist Neil Manthorpe only uh, joins us now. Mm. Neil, uh, thanks for joining us on the show. First up, was the pitch that bad? Uh, should it have been called off earlier? Should it have been called off at all? Um, hello, John Malagoffy. Uh, about...
7: not, not in my, uh, not, not,
1: not
8: in my opinion. Uh, not in my. Experience. I've seen many, many pictures uh, that uh, were, were dangerous. It was interesting, you know, I went to the Hawkeye guys um, and said, uh, they can give you so much information. I mean, absolutely, just a couple of taps on the keyboard, and they can give you exactly what you need to see and what you want to, want to, to know. And I said to them, guys, uh, could you tell me how many deliveries from back of a length or a good length passed by the batsman between the throat and the head. You know, that's the general constitution of what uh, is dangerous. And the answer was zero. Batsmen were being hit on the gloves, being hit on the ribs, being hit on the thigh. Uh, it was a uh, movement. It was clacks on the pitch. It was very sporty. It was um, yeah, sporty and spicy, the words that were used by Virat Kohli and Hashim Amla, who top scored in a test match. So, um, look, it, it wasn't... Um, the perfect cricketer's pitch by any means. The bowlers enjoyed it. The batsmen didn't enjoy it so much. But I, I know what Goffey's saying is, uh, you know, that it, it, it may have been excessive, but uh, who's the game played for? I think for too long, for decades and decades and decades, uh, you know, throughout the kind of 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, Test cricket was played for the players, by the players, for the players. And I think now, if it's being played more for the spectators, that, that's a good thing.
1: Uh, let's hear from uh, Fafta Plessy, the South African captain. Uh, just asked whether it was a dangerous pitch.
7: I didn't think so day one or two. Um, the only time where I started thinking like that was um, when Dean got in the face. That's when I got a little bit concerned uh, for player safety. Um, and even in the Indian innings, uh, there was quite a few guys getting hit on the finger quite regularly. Uh, I think if you have to count the amount of times guys got hit, this game it's much more than usual uh, you know excessive sideways movement is obviously tough but it's not dangerous uh, as soon as the guy started getting hit from a length that's when we thought it might get dangerous
3: I watched a game uh, Neil and, it, and it, 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 I don't think it was a dangerous pitch either um, I saw the moment Elgar got hit and uh, they went off there was a bit of drizzle around which confused the situation but It was almost like it was sticking in the pitch. It was sticking and just gripping, wasn't it, which caused that excessive bounce and jagged back. And there was a lot of guys getting it on the inside thigh and the thigh pad. It was a nice pitch to bowl on. If you got the ball in the right areas at a decent pace, um, there was going to be entertainment, put it that way.
8: Uh, Yeah, and it was cracked as well, you know. Um... I feel very sorry for the groundsman. The weather forecast had it that there was between a 60 and 80% chance of rain mm. and coolish temperatures throughout the five days. So, obviously, he hasn't gone and, and overwatered it, because if he had, it wouldn't have dried out if the weather forecast had panned out. But that's what you always say about pitches. You know, they are they're, they're plenty organic things, you know. They're difficult to control. They're like little children. They, they've got a mind of their own. And, and then the weather turns out to be... You know, 30 degrees and not a drop of rain for the first three days. So the crownsman thinking, well, I've been done here. I've been done. And, and I felt very, very sorry for him. Um, but, you know, the, the ball that hit Dean Algar in the face was a very good bouncer. And another and another pitch in another game and another time in another stadium... That would have been it. End of story. It was a really good bouncer. And um, as you said, there was a bit of drizzle about, fading light, floodlights had just come on, and Dean didn't see it. Um, but that ball bounced absolutely perfectly, co- corresponding to the length that it was, it was bowled at. So, look, I'm not advocating that, that <laughs> test matches are always played on pitches like that. But you know what? I mean, batsmen have got lots of fingers and ribs. They're dispensable. They've only got one head and one throat, and they're not.
3: I've played in uh, the Wanderers on a few, you know, well, a, a, quite a few cricket matches, first-class and test matches. And from what I can uh, remember from when I've played there, I've played on it when it's been absolute belter, flat as anything, sun shining, and it just takes everything out of you you could possibly take. And then I've played other times when the ball's carried, it's gone through, and it's been a lovely pitch uh, for cricket. Actual, I call it one of the best cricket pitches you could play on, but I think it just crossed the line the other day. I don't think it was dangerous, but it was on the border. That third, fourth day, you wouldn't have wanted to bat on it.
8: Yeah, I, I agree, Goffey, I agree totally. And of course, the 48 one-day international game was played there. You know, and hmm. <laughs> there was nothing wrong with that pitch. There was no cracks in that one. But um. Uh, I think that the, the problem is that uh, South Africa was so. Faf Dupasi, Abidabilia, Hashimamla, all of the guys. But particularly Faf, uh, now that he's captain, he's still carrying the scars and bruises from the Tour of India two years ago when they had to play on rubble in, uh, in Nagpur. And the ball was turning sideways from, from well, during the warm ups, actually, before the test started. And um, and, and so he, he, you know, not satisfied with winning the series 2 0. He wanted more revenge. And you don't do that. You don't mess with, uh, with mother cricket too much, do you? I mean, uh, you know, he, he said to the groundsman, we want a classic uh, green number, absolute belter, you know, just like the mean machine days of Transvaal in the 1980s. Give us grass, give us green, we'll knock them over, we'll knock the stuffing out of them. Well, you can't do that. You can't. You, you, or or you, you can, you can say that, but then you, you, know, you run the risk of it going wrong, which is what happened. You can't control the weather.
3: And have we, have we seen, are we going to see Dale staying again, uh, Neil? I mean, a a fantastic bowler. I mean, you only have to look at his career stats. They're absolutely un-
2: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass."
1: Eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine, and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies. In the culinary capital of the Caribbean, there truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visit Barbados. .org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, truly the best place to be a cricket fan.
3: Believable, but the bowling talent you've got in South Africa, you keep unearthing some, some diamonds. You've just got another one, and, and Gidi, is just been picked up as well in the IPL, so another great experience for him. you got Rabada, who's knocking people over for fun. Uh, Philander can keep swinging the ball, so it goes on and on.
8: Yeah, and there's a few more in the wings as well, Goffey. Um we'll, We will see Spain again. We've got four test matches against uh, Australia coming up in March. So we've got the whole of February. We're playing about 17 one-day games against India. Uh, well, actually, six one-dayers and three T20s. That takes up the whole of February. Then it's four tests in March against Australia. And, you know, there, there, there are seven... Fast bowling options. There's also Chris Morris, as well as the all-rounder. He bowls at over 140. Um, so, but, but those four test matches are w- virtually back-to-back, you know, um, for six days between the second and third one, only three days between the others. Stain is already back to sort of 90% fitness, so uh, he he, gosh, he needs three wickets to break sean pollock's national record i know that's irrelevant to him he he reckons he can keep playing for for another couple of years and wants to but um i don't know the the body is beginning to rebel a little bit you know there are bits and pieces uh, that are hurting more and more uh, all over the place you know that feeling all too well mm. but um, in terms of aerobic uh, fitness and strength and all that and and, and desire that he's still 26 you know but it's just that the the bits and pieces that he needs to keep going are beginning to (laughs)
2: rebel.
1: We're all 26 in our minds, Neil. Uh, thank you, mates. Uh, we'll speak to you throughout the, uh, throughout the summer. South Africa, Australia. What a series that could be. Uh, plenty more still to come on the show. Uh, Steve Harmison's going to be joining us with his rant at the test of time with Marcus Truscothic and Tim Bresnan. All to come on Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport Sport 2.
2: Online and on DAB Digital Radio. Darren Goff's Cricket Week on
1: Talk Sport 2. You're listening to Darren Goss Cricket Week on Talk Sport 2. We've uh, gone over to Australia uh, in the show so far, speaking to both Mark Woods, uh, who was uh, picked up for the uh, CSK and the IPL, respect to Roy Dollard, uh, Press, Associ- Press Association, it's easy for me to say, cricket reporter on the fifth and final ODI, which saw England triumph by 12 runs. Uh, we've gone to South Africa. Uh, to talk about the uh, the terror pitch in Joburg, and uh, we've got plenty more to come this hour as well. And uh, let's start it off with the main man. Uh, no, not Darren Goff, although of course he is uh, here with us. But uh, Harmy, Steve Armisen's with us. Um, Harmy, well, we won't talk about football. Uh, but what's uh, what's got your uh, what's got you cooking over the last seven days or so?
9: Um, I've enjoyed the one days the way the, the, the lads have played coming back. So you know from. Some- Uh, fresh impetus into this one-day side. Uh, Very surprised uh, on some of the IPL calls. and No Morgan, which, to be fair, isn't a surprise. He hasn't sort of took the IPL by storm in the last few years. He's been a, a, a drink runner. But the biggest surprise, I think, is the England captain, Joe Root, or the test captain, because I think he is, I think all round, he's a fantastic player with, you know, red ball, white ball, He's proved that in this one-day series as well. So, that was a big surprise for me. Joe Root not getting picked up. Whether there's time for him to get picked up, I don't know. Chris Gale gold at the last minute. Um, <laughs> apparently, he's he's set his, his bench price too high, and uh, he's he, he's had to sort of lower his terms to to get a gig in the IPL. So, but I think you know from a from an Asherton boy, I'd love to see Mark Wood out there because I think it's going to enhance his. Hansi's uh, development, hopefully, and, uh, as well as his education for cricket, but hopefully uh, keep him playing, keep him playing from a, a longevity point of view just to get over these little niggling injuries that he's been picking up in the last couple of years.
3: I mean, just tell us, with him being, mm. he's not centrally contracted, I don't think. He's one of these increment contracts, I think, would he? So, with him not being centrally contracted and picking up, he's, he's, he went for 165,000. Chennai mm. Super Kings, right? Yeah. So what happens with that money then? How does that work? Did Durham get a, a
9: cook? Can they replace him um early season? Well, they're not going to replace him early season because you know, who do you get to replace Mark Wood? I think there's a financial implication from Mark's point of view to Durham. It used to be like that, and I think I'm pretty much sure it still is. I think if you're a century contractor player like Ben Stokes, he has to he has to um pair the ECB, I think, to to go, yeah. You know, now there's there's parts of how many games he misses. But the thing with Mark Wood is, Mark Wood will be paying back the the weeks he misses from England. Well, I'm not sure whether Durham get anything off Stokes because I think DCB keep it mm. all now because of the, the Century contract. So it's just unfortunate that Durham aren't going to have Stokes and Wood for the start of the season. They might get a little bit of money, but hey. Yeah, it's not gonna be it's not gonna be great money, even though they do need every penny they can get. I'm sure they would rather have Stokes and Wood. But I think for me I've always been a champion of the of the IPL and players going over and playing. It's just unfortunate my team are gonna lose two of their superstars. But I think Stokes and Woods um performance, education and the game of cricket itself rubbing shoulders with the best players in the world hopefully from an England point of view they're going to come back better players
3: so if you play against Durham you want to play them early season when there's no (laughs) Stokes and Wood in
2: it
9: yeah you could you could put up with there's a lot of teams wouldn't want to play Durham at the start of the season (laughs) because it's always minus two, minus three but I think if uh, if you've got not got stuck, I tell you what, there'll be a couple of slip fielders at Durham, very very happy. Wood and Stokes aren't playing from a Durham point of view, but that's been a selfish thing because I know when I played at the start of the season, you know when you you look at you looked at Divinito, Benkinstein, Collingwood when they played, they weren't too happy the ball going to slip if uh, if it was a nick, maybe. Not until about June time when it got above four or five degrees, because <laughs> it was it's freezing at the start of the season. So, I think they'll they'll be happy in being in Chennai and Rajasthan for the early part of the domestic season.
1: What's the uh, what's the feeling coming out of Durham? Of course, they had that what was it forty eight point penalty last year. That's I take it that's not around for another year, is it? The uh, what's the feeling about uh, about the season ahead?
9: Yeah, I've not been. I'm not. am not. I'm. I'm going down. I think. Early part of this week, um, I seen the chief executive over the weekend uh, just briefly. He was celebrating his, his daughter's 18th birthday, so I didn't really get a chance to see him. He said everything at the club was was moving on, which is which is good. You know, it's good signs. I think they met a a positive um, from a financial point of view last year to get things back on track. Uh, I haven't got the a severe penalty when it comes to the the points total. Uh, and I think they're working hard, looking at looking at the the sort of social media element. Um, you know, they're, they're putting positive messages out there. Two or three of the the lads who are playing for Ireland and Scotland uh, are going well uh, for their respective countries. So, you know, fingers crossed, that Durham can put the you know the the disappointments of losing players because they've lost some good players, losing money uh, and points that, that they lost last year. And hopefully, John Lewis and the team can. Can sort of, you know, rebuild because at the end of the day, and i said it many times last year, it wasn't the players' fault that they were in the predicament. They're in, they just had to, you know, they, they just had to take the consequences that was there. So fingers crossed. Uh, a nice positive start to the, the pre-season. Um, and if if Durham, even though without Wood and Stokes, there'll always be a force at, the, at, the, at, the, at Chester Street because, you know, Goffey knows more than anything. There's always results there. So if you get off to a good start... In any sort of season, um, Durham's a place to be at the start of the season because you'll always find a result. So, mm-hmm. even though you're not, you know, you're not going to draw games, you might lose one, but you might win two. So, you know, from a points point of view, it's very, very positive in your sort of th- first three to five games that you play. If you do play, they've got three when they've got three at home. So, fingers crossed. The only worry for me is they the desperately need Paul to to be on it and. Yeah, Paul Collingwood to be honest and yeah, fully focused. And my slight concern, um, is this this whole England stuff with Trevor Bayless because if Bayliss steers or potentially if Bayliss doesn't carry on, um I, I think the E C B have got Paul Collingwood earmarked as uh, they're the next one of the next coaches if they go down the split coach road or um or uh, definitely an assistant coach to try and groom him ready for the job and if that takes his focus away paul's very even though he's 55 he is he is very much key to to durham's development going uh, development going forward because you know, he, is a young, he is a young man in his mind himself and he keeps these, you know, these young players fresh and he gets them thinking and he's done really well for Durham in the last few years and I think if he lost his focus I, I think Durham might struggle they might be sort of rudderless uh, when it comes to it so fingers crossed that England, England go well because if England go well then obviously there's no talk about the coaching, coaching side of it so it'd be a, it's just a, a one to watch I think from Collie's point of view
3: what about um, the IPL? Um, I, I mean, I'm I'm with you on this. Um, from having conversations with you had before, Joe Root, I just mm. cannot understand how he's not got a gig out at the IPL. It's it's, it's ridiculous, really.
9: I'm I'm amazed, Darren. I'm amazed. Mm. Yeah, the, he's, there's been a lot of talk of Joe over the past sort of four months. You know, the, the way he captained the the Test team, the way he played in the Test matches, to then in the in the in the One days. he's proved in the One days that yeah you know, man in the series, I think he was from an england point of view he was he was fantastic and he 's a great one day player. He is a great one day player and I cannot believe somebody hasn 't took him, especially if you know the amounts of money that they 're talking about i think i think he 'd be a bargain for somebody but yeah you know, the, the the Indians think uh, a lot of a lot of these franchises are i think they are they 're biased a little bit towards certain countries and nations because when you looked. Yeah, when you looked at when you looked at the um, I looked at TV, in the last two days when the auction was on, and you've got the likes of Stephen Fleming with you know one group, and you've got Tom Moody with another group, and you know Dravid's with with his team, and you know all of a sudden you know the the people from their countries and their players they'll you know they're bringing them in, and I don't see, and that's one of my worries that there's not a big English connection in the IPL. There's no. Um, former player, when you see them sitting on the sidelines, you've got Ricky Ponton sitting with Sean Pollock, uh, John T. Rhodes sitting with the uh, the Mumbai franchise. There's no English people out there. Um, and I'm not sure if that is it's sort of... That's a negative for, for English players. Because well, they're not you know getting the other
1: thing You know the other thing, guys, it's it's not... So how many test-playing nations are there, really? Nine? Well, there's 10 are isn't there? Ten. So there's ten... Test playing nations. Now, it's not as though there's the other nine countries are represented um, because, of course, not only is there no England um, within the coaching setup, there's no Pakistan, no mm. players at all because, of course, the problems between India and Pakistan. Yeah. There's only two Sri Lankans in the entire league, mm. um, there's no Bangladeshis. So uh, And the West Indies have got players, but there's no coaches. So that's half of the countries that play test cricket. So it's actually been carved up between the Indians, obviously. And then, of course, you've got the Aussies, the South Africans, um, and you've got a fair amount of Kiwis in there as well. Oh, and they're the they... four countries. And and Sappers, of course. And oh, They pretty much carved it up.
3: It's the mafia, isn't it? And this is my biggest criticism of the IPL. I think it does need some English uh, folks over there. Uh, just a couple. I'm not saying it should overrun it because what what you're happening? What's happening? It's very friends pick. And I've talked about this on Twitter. It really bugs me. You've got like, say, the Callis, the Johnny Rhodes, the Katic, the Vittori, Fleming, Moody, Ponting, Shane Bond. Where are they all from? And they're just going to pick their own players. That that is the obvious thing. I just think it needs spicing up a little bit. Somebody from a different country, just to just to break it all up. It's become the New Zealand Australia show. If we're going yeah, to be honest, Daz, with a few South Africans in. Yeah, but
9: yeah, but does that come? I think that comes from the ECB not buying into the IPR when it very first started. And I think that is. you know, round about, and I'll defend them to the hilt on this. You know, when Kevin Kevin had a, Kevin Pearson had his rant when he was when he was captain. Yeah, Kev was wanting to be in the IPL. There was only a handful of people that potentially could be in the IPL at the time. And when the ECB didn't get in, when the ECB got in a bed with Stanford and didn't get in a bed with the IPL, I think that is that is a, has had a negative effect over the course of the years, do you not think?
3: Yeah, it, it probably has. I, I agree with you totally on that. Is But we didn't uh, buy into it from the start. I think all the players did but ECB um, didn't really want to do it because we obviously had a schedule and we have to stick to that schedule. And I think it's going to be like this until 2020 when um, our schedule is everybody's schedules around the world is to keep the IPL period free. So I think come 2020 it might be too late for a few of these guys who are around at the moment, but I think that's when we're going to see a bigger representation of English players um, in the IPL because the schedule is going to be free. Um, England next year, these contracts have just signed, Army, are two-year contracts, and next year England are in the West Indies mm. during the IPL, so there's a the big issue. So they'll be playing a weakened West Indian team because all their best players will be playing in the IPL. Exactly,
1: yeah. Harmy, uh, go well. Thanks yeah, for your yeah. rant, and uh, look forward to more of the same next week, eh?
9: Cheers, lads. Cheers, all Army. Good luck.
1: That's that's, uh, Steve um, Harmison speaking to us from uh, very chilly uh, Ashington in the north of England. Uh, We're going to be speaking to Marcus Treskothic, former teammate of Harmy and, of course, Goffey, uh, coming up very shortly. You're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2.
4: Test of time on Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. Ah! Big shout, and he's given in. So Darren Goff gets a very important wicket indeed. The left-handed side, Anwar, goes in the Yorkshire paceman's third over.
8: Good,
4: this time he's there. Hasn't been the most beautiful century you'll ever see, but uh, another vital one for England. Allows himself just the semblance of a little smile there, Michael Atherton.
10: That's through. That's an inside edge. This could be it. Already, Nasser Hussain is celebrating. England have won this third test match of Karachi. Pakistan's unbeaten record goes up in
1: smoke. Well, I tell you what, Goffey, 18 years on, that still brings a smile to my face. I'm sure it does to you too. Uh, You know, in recent years, England have have been flush with overseas successes, but... uh, that victory back in 2000 um, was truly something special. You must have uh, pretty amazing memories.
3: Do you know, Sermet, so, um, I get asked this question a lot, uh, some of my favourite moments playing for England. Uh, there was a game in Melbourne uh, in 97 when we, we were rubbish, basically. That's what we've been told every single day in the press. And we wouldn't uh, that test whether they needed 140 to win. That was a great moment, but the best tour I ever went on was to Pakistan and Sri Lanka, 2000-2001. Absolutely wonderful tour from friendships, uh, togetherness, uh, knowing we were limited in what we were going to do away from the hotel um, to our on-pitch performances. We just got it spot on all winter. It was brilliant.
1: Well, this is uh, going to be a, a regular feature on the show moving forward. We're going to take a test or a series from the past uh, that you were involved in and uh, bring on one of your, your teammates who was there alongside you just to dip into uh, to the series and relive a couple of the tales. And I'm delighted to say that uh, joining us this week uh, is Marcus Trish-Gothic. Who, uh, well, Marcus, thanks for joining us. Uh, but Goffey says it was his favourite ever tour. It was actually your first tour for the England uh, first team, um, and what a what a tour it ended up being! Yeah,
7: amazing, really, really giving me sort of my, the taste i needed really for international cricket. I only started in the summer before, back against um, the West Indies, but um, that was just really the, the, the highlight of touring. It was absolutely fantastic trip, absolutely superb. It's a very unique unique place, Pakistan. You, you, when we went there, we did some some great places to go and see and see something different. Um, but as Goffy said, you just get um, cocooned in your in your hotel room for for a number of weeks, and and you can't really do a great deal. Do
3: you know what makes me laugh, uh, Tress, about that that tour? Is but we all had to sign. I remember turning up at the first hotel in Lahore, and we all had to sign a form to say we were alcoholics, so we could yeah, get a right. drink, so we could get <laughs> yeah. a drink after ten o'clock in our room. I'll never I'll never forget it. And we were lucky in those days because we were we were sponsored, weren't we, by Carlsberg um, Carlsberg Tetleys. And um, they kindly sent us something for the team room, did to keep us occupied on evenings. But how good was it, Trez, just to be all, like I say when you go to Australia, South Africa, New Zealand, beautiful, wonderful countries, but you're out there, aren't you, playing golf and we're all in different little groups doing things. But when you go to Pakistan, especially, you're together, aren't you? And the camaraderie yeah. is absolutely superb.
7: Yeah, you don't have a lot of choice, do you? Because because of the security problems outside the hotel, you've got to be a little bit careful where you go. Um, you do build your own sort of rapport within the within the hotels because you you spend morning, noon, and night together. There's really much time, rarely much time that goes past if you're not um, doing something in the team room or on, on you know someone else's room in playstations or whatever there may be. But um, It was just quite unique. I know obviously the lads don't get the opportunity to go to places like that anymore and it's a shame a little bit because the experience you get from from travelling to that part of the world or those Mm. parts of the world um, is different. You're absolutely right. It's very different to go into an Australia or a New Zealand or something like that but Equally
3: special. Trez, what I can remember, I'm sure you were part of the PlayStation group. I, 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 I wasn't into it. Um, I was more into just being an idiot. But I think you were part of the PlayStation group, weren't you? FIFA. It was FIFA, weren't you? You used to yeah, play then. Yeah, generally. There. Were generally, you? yeah. Was it Gilo? Gilo Thorpe was in there. Thorpey. Uh, That's it. Vaughan. Yeah, there
7: was quite a number of guys who would obviously be quite heavily involved in, in what to. You just got to try and pass the time; otherwise, you just sit there doing absolutely nothing. So, <laughs> and you just uh, you just got to try and invent things that you know is going to take up your day, along with going to the gym and, and sleeping in as late as you can. Uh,
1: Marcus, last week, uh, Goffey and I were talking about this Test match, and uh, Goffey was racking his brains. We were talking about the bowling lineup for that series, and we were racking our brains who was first change in that first innings? And we looked at the scorecard, or rather I did, and I thought my eyes were deceiving me, but there it is, Marcus Driscothic coming in, and not only that, you took a wicket.
7: I know, absolutely ridiculous. I don't know what Nasser was thinking. I I must have bowled a bit in the nets leading up to the game, and it must have been swinging around a little bit, so he took a bit of a gamble. And I burgled a wicket, which is quite amazing, really, so... Um, to think well, that you, shall you we hear that.
1: it? So, go shall on, we then. hear <laughs> it? Come on.
4: Big shout. And he's given in. So Darren Goff gets a very important wicket indeed. The left handed side, Anwar, goes in the Yorkshire paceman's third over.
10: Yeah. Well, that is a soft dismissal. As I say, that Marcus just got yeah. it, the experiment has come to an end. I'm not sure that will be greeted with too much enthusiasm in the Pakistani dressing room. <laughs> They'll go to it with a four. Through extra cover. And Inzaman Halak goes to his fourth century of this calendar year. And he likes this ground.
1: So there we are. It's 0-0 after two tests. This being the third and final test match. Um, and uh, Inzaman Mohawk and Muhammad Youssef... Um, Although I'm not sure his name was Mohammed Yousef at the time, actually, um, both putting on centuries, and it looking like it's, it, it was going to follow a well-worn path in Pakistan with the attritional pitches. But uh, Goffey with the first wicket, Triscothic, your only Test wicket. <laughs> but yeah. uh, what, what else do you remember from that first uh, first day's play? Uh,
7: a hard first day, as you can imagine. I remember bowling more than just that first style I bowled a second spell, I think, mid sort of mid afternoon. And I had it in demand, dead LBW, which wouldn't be wasn't given. I was gutted, but you know it didn't matter because it, it was just an interesting day. Quite as you say, a traditional cricket as you get out in that part of the world, but um, very different. I, I I sort of regret sort of bowling those volume of overs because it's sort of payback time nowadays.
3: Do you know something, Trez? Um, one player who doesn't really get enough credit uh, during his England career, he, gets, he, he used to get a lot of stick, but it was the making of Ashley Giles that trip, wasn't it? Uh, he yeah, was he absolutely was. superb in Karachi. In fact, that whole tour, he was superb. But in Karachi, it all came together for him. He got four for Dini in that first innings. And the way we stuck together, because Inzerman... And Mohammed uh, Yusuf, as it as it was then, were absolutely superb. It was a flat pitch, but the way we come back on the second day to dismiss him for four hundred and five, Gilo was superb.
7: Yeah, well, he threatened the whole trip wasn't it? But not yeah. just with his with his bowling; he was also with his batting as well. Lower order runs that he got along with sort of Craig White in that sort of series were superb. But and Darren Goff, you know, yeah, of course, Goff. I don't want to forget you, <laughs> of course not, but. Gilo, Gilo sort of, that was where he sort of really invented the style of bowling over the wicket, didn't he? And I know he came in for a lot of criticism um, as time went on, but um, the, the, he, because he bowled it slightly closer to the stumps than most people, he used the rough and utilised that as much as he could, and that was really sort of um, part and parcel of him going forward from there on in, because that became his style of bowling all the way through. I
1: tell, I tell you what, guys, I was watching the highlights from this match, and you're absolutely right. I was going to at raising myself. It's worth looking back at some of the dismissals that actually Giles actually conjured up. There was some uh, extravagant turn that uh, he managed to extract from the pitch. And, and as you say, as we listen to uh, what happened on day two, it was, uh, it was Giles that really meant that uh, Pakistan didn't get that uh, 500, 600 score, which would have made a result going England's way almost impossible. Yeah oh, Well taken. That is an extraordinary catch from
10: Ashley Giles. First ball of his spell, it was uh, slightly overpitched. And it's to his wrong hand, too. Ashley Giles, a left-hander, he's stooped with his right hand. That's the moment of inspiration that England have been seeking. Just a little bit of luck. Oh, a balls. Beautifully ball from Ashley Giles. It's a big misjudgment from uh, Shia da that's the perfect delivery with which to wrap up the Pakistan innings. <laughs> Quick Yorker, 85 miles an hour. Perfectly positioned, perfectly bowled. Vakar Younis, the last man
1: out for Pakistan. So there it is. And now it's over to England to have a bat. Um, I mean, Marcus, I mean, just give us an idea of the kind of conditions that it, it demands of a batsman. Um, well, and a bowler, I suppose, to uh, to go out there and just grind out the kind of runs that uh, that the team needed to do.
7: Yeah, tricky, as you can imagine. We're quite alien to those sort of conditions, just going out there and the ball going to, you know, you're going to be facing bowlers who are spinning it a lot. The ball potentially might reverse after sort of 20, 30, 40 overs. But from what I remember, it remained actually a pretty good pitch for a, for a couple of days. Athos was the main man. I think he got 120 or so in the first innings and just batted forever, it seemed like. Because, as we talked about already, the traditional style of cricket that you have to play in that part of the world. But um, just quite demanding. You you know, the, the scoring rate won't move a great deal, but you're a lot of pressure on from people around the bat. The spinners are creating the noise as much as they can do. But uh, I can't remember exactly how many we got in the first innings, but I know it's something pretty close to what they got.
3: I'll tell you what I remember about it. Um, I, I'm actually looking at the scorecard here, Trez. And um, it, it, it's, it's interesting indeed, because when you look at their side... We all know how good they were going to be in Karachi. I think they were unbeaten, weren't they? England had never yeah. won won there. And we looked at their team when we turned up there. We knew it was going to turn. They picked two seamers and they picked yeah. three, three mystery wrist spinners, which they had, Afridi, Sackle and Mustac, who was superb, by the way, they won only on that tour. Um, he was yeah. very difficult to play, especially for those lower order batsmen. And Danish Canaria, remember him? Yeah. I mean, they had... Three really good spinners in their lineup, and um, they would have backed themselves to beat us quite comfortably because we never really, our reputation against wrist spinners was never the best, was it?
7: No, no, and still isn't, is it nowadays, even now going into it? But we had a sort of golden period a little bit there with, under Duncan Fletcher where we sort of designed our own way of playing spin and had results in, as you say, Pakistan and then Sri Lanka after Christmas that year. Um, but it was yeah it was it was just different was I mean, you 're not you 're not used to that we're used to ball that maybe swings a little bit more, but not so much of it spinning around and when you 've got three quality spinners that they had at that time, well, fair enough, Afridi was probably more of an all rounder at that point, um and his bowling really sort of came together afterwards, but still a very tricky um sort of potential what we had to try and face for three
3: or four days. Trez, just quickly, let me just ex- just explain to people what Duncan Fletcher had is doing against the spinners on the outfield because that made a big difference, especially for someone like me who were just mm. used to going in and wanting to sweep every time. But he got us playing against the spinners, didn't he?
7: Yeah, well, there was always loads of bowlers around, wasn't there? Little kids mm. who would like ball boys and stuff like that. They were always there. And it was something you'd sort of picked up that a lot of their guys did would face a lot of their boys bowling on the side of the on the side of the outdoor because the, the grass is a little bit different than what you get over here. It's a lot coarser um, and a lot spongier. So you had to try and design and, and work out a little another way of playing. But it just also gave you more more time of facing bowlers, didn't it? I know they weren't necessarily bowling at, at full pelt, but it definitely helped you sort of learning and sort of, sort of use the spin and use the bounce um, and get a better way of trying to play the
1: game. So, 405 all out Pakistan in first innings. Centuries for Inzamam and Mohamed Youssef. And in England uh, with Atherton leading from the front. 125 and a 50 for Hussain. But to be honest, uh, there were uh, performances all the way down the list, meaning that England all out for 388. Game on. Almost a one innings match. And we're going to find out what happened very shortly. You're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on Talk Sport 2.
4: Test of time on Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2 This time he's there Hasn't been the most Beautiful century you'll ever see But uh, another vital one for England Allows himself Just the semblance of a little smile There Michael Atherton What a catch it's a splendid catch absolutely brilliant ball's gone beyond him he stops dead what a catch Graham thought yes! bowled him out out of the rough it's turned dramatically Inzaman was looking to leave the ball and he's got bowled out and once again Ashley Giles picks up the wicket of Inzaman or Hack
1: you're listening to Darren Goss Cricket Week and we are uh, looking back at, at Pakistan in Karachi. England's uh, winning the match uh, back in 2000. We're halfway through uh, the test. And we just heard uh, a couple of the uh, the early wickets. Um, a Brilliant catch on the boundary. Ball dropping over his shoulder for uh, uh, Graham Thorpe. Ashley Giles taking two. Goffey uh, with the wicket of Imran Nazir. Uh, and I'm pleased to say that uh, Marcus Triscothic, who was uh, alongside Goffey in the team, and actually all three test matches, if I'm r- right uh, in saying, featured exactly the same 11 players, but what stage was it, uh, Marcus, that uh, that you and Goffey had a little look to each other and thought, hang on a minute, we could actually win this?
7: Ah, jeepers, I I, I don't know, I, I can't remember really at what point it was, but I think probably once we realised we only had a certain target that we had to try and chase, the, the, the envious or the, the dangerous time of what was going to be was the, the light was obviously the crucial part, but could we get the Volley Maroons in in quick enough time? They knew the overrate was going to be slow. They were going to drag everything down. But I don't know whether we realised at any point when we were bowling and bowling them out in that third inning that we were going to try and win the game. But I think once we saw the total, that was probably the pivotal moment. We realised we could have a good chance.
3: Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I think it's... the the amazing thing about that tour I don't think we ever thought we were going to win the series I think if we'd have come out of it with a draw we'd have been absolutely over the moon Uh, we'd gone to Pakistan everybody kept telling us how hard it was going to be it was going to be against it they got three spinners in the side Wakai Yunus ball in reverse swing yes he was towards the end of his career but they got players in those conditions that were going to be hard to bowl at and Inzaman proved it throughout the series Uh, Mohamed Youssef proved it throughout the series they were great players um, and I don't think we ever thought we were going to win. And then suddenly we bowled them out for a total for 158. It was in the in the third, their second innings, and it was like, what? Where did that come from? <laughs> we actually have yeah. got a chance of winning here. And I think same as Tres there, we we suddenly we still knew it was going to be difficult because of their spinners and the light. We knew it was going to be a problem over there. But I don't think we ever thought we were going to win until probably that last when we hit the yeah. winning runs. It was literally yeah. that. It was literally a tour like that.
1: Um, I'll tell you what, what, guys. um, I was actually working uh, before I got into this industry, actually, uh, and the time time difference meant that it was coming to about midday UK time. And me and my mate at work, we were following it on Quick Info or, or something. We dashed off to the pub. We just made our excuses and left, and we ran to the pub where... There was a a crowd forming, watching as England uh, somehow were in with a chance of winning the series. And uh, who better to open the uh, open the run scoring than than you, Marcus? This was uh, this was uh, right up your street, I suppose. Just get get <laughs> on with it.
7: Well, absolutely. You just got to go out there and smack it as much as you can do. I got to make my way into the team by playing one-day cricket and, and obviously getting an opportunity into the test matches, but um, you, you had a license because there was only a certain amount of overs to go and we knew the time was against us, but um, potential being bowled out, you know, all 10 wickets were probably quite slim, so we had a, a good crack that we knew that we could just tee it up and have a good go, so we, I think we got off to an okay start but then started losing a few wickets after that, but again, it was always going kind to of be tricky. like was our danger more than anything else because it was closing in probably sort of four o'clock in the afternoon and it was getting quite gloomy, but we managed to hold on, luckily.
3: I think the blessing was, and this is no disrespect, because others was a great player and it was a great under he scored in the first, but I tell you what, the blessing was probably others getting out. <laughs> <laughs> because we had we had players like Trez, Alex Stewart, Graham Thorpe, Mick Nasser, Chalky, who all played, natural game was to be aggressive, but we had others there, yeah, to anchor. But if he took too much of the strike, he was never great at scoring against the spin. We thought it might be an issue. And like I said, right till the end, I thought, let's not get bowled out here and spoil an hard talk. So it had been an hard <laughs> tour for everyone. And 40 overs, we only had 40 oversish uh, to knock them off. And, and somehow we did it. I mean, I still can't get over it now. Um, pitch black. Uh, the dressing room scenes, we were all nervous watching. And it just kept getting darker and darker and darker. Um, and we used to have, on that tour, uh, we copied the Aussies a little bit because we had the Who Let The Dogs Out tour, wasn't it? We all had the, you had to get welcomed uh, into the dog party. And um, it was a woohoo! it was a Fletcher thing. But we, we fight like dogs and everybody gradually got welcomed into it. And by the end of the tour, everybody was on board. And that's what I'm saying about Team Spirit. It was brilliant all, all the way through right to the last day.
1: And what about the celebrations afterwards? Uh, Did you uh, have to get your uh, alcoholics uh, cards out just to get (laughs) a drink to celebrate? That was
7: that was my most pivotal moment of the trip was the celebration immediately afterwards in the changing room because there was, as you can imagine, there's no alcohol around anywhere to be seen. So we were just celebrating with bottles of lemonade,
3: (laughs) throwing them everywhere,
7: (laughs) shoving them everywhere, all over everybody. Chicken tikka. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah, soft drinks galore, it was. It was just a very, very what, funny moment. What I can remember, though, I'm sure we flew straight home, didn't we? Did we fly uh, home, That th- night or
7: the early the next morning, yeah. Yeah, one or two.
3: because if you remember, we all did the uh, whistle escape to victory, didn't we? The whistling. That's right, yeah. We did yeah. the whistle on as we are taking off from uh, Karachi <laughs> Airport. I'll never forget it. We all started whistling, and it was just brilliant. We just carried it on. Like I say, it was our first drink uh, we'd had, really, because, like I say, we'd had... Soft drinks in the dressing room, we respect um, their religion and everything that goes with it. I'm sure we went straight back to the hotel, our bags were packed, and we went straight to the airport after a shower, and we took off that night. I'll, I'll never forget yeah. it, and it was a great yeah. thing. Like I say, we were on the aer- aeroplane, first glass of wine, champagne, and poof, we were off.
7: Yeah, absolutely. Good to get home. wasn't it? Good to get home, because I think it was quite close to Christmas, before we sort of got back home that sort of time of year, so just what you
1: needed really brilliant stuff well look Marcus really appreciate your time and joining us uh, for these uh, these uh, last couple of sections on the show uh, we'll let you go now and let's just hear those winning moments uh, from that famous test match uh, a test that certainly stands up to time it was England beating Pakistan in Karachi back in the year 2000
4: well that's a magnificent way for
10: Trescothic to open his account well, that's gone away, and that's going to go all the way to the boundary. Took a chance, but it's come off. The dressing room enjoyed that one. I'm sure Graham Hick did. And it's through the offside. And the fielders have not seen it. Moen Khan has a point. His fielders just cannot pick up that ball. There are two men in the deep. One at cover, one at long off. Neither of them saw it until the ball was virtually at the boundary. That's true. That's an inside edge. This could be it. Already, Nasser Hussain is celebrating. England have won this third Test match at Karachi. Pakistan's unbeaten record goes up in smoke.
1: Brilliant, absolutely brilliant, coffee. Uh, you can hear the Palmy army, army. Uh, they, they were even there. They were brilliant. singing along. Um, but uh, what, what wonderful memories, and it was just, it was. Brilliant! Just listening to you and Tres Gothic because, of course, I'm sure you just remember things you hadn't thought about for fifteen, sixteen years or so.
3: Amazing! They just look back. Um, when you start talking about a series, um, it's actually surprised me that because, as he mentioned there, I don't think he explained it as as, as well as he possibly could. Is what we used to do. Duncan Fletcher thing is, but right, we knew we were going to come up against spinners in Pakistan, India, Sri Lanka. So what he had us doing, We amount of players, because cricket over there, it's loved, people everywhere. It was a fantastic tour. And he had us at lunchtime and at tea time, every single lunch and tea, all the tail-enders out there on the outfield, just knocking balls back against their spinners. All the young kids just bowling at you, some mystery spinners. And it's amazing how it helped Alora. And look at some of the partnerships we put on down the order where we batted time and put on runs on the board, important runs, especially in that last test. I think Guy faced mm. 70 balls or something in the first innings. And it was vital. And it was such a big thing, but the players all bought into it. And that was one of Duncan's um, good ideas.
1: Well, it was certainly one of my favourite memories as a cricket fan. And uh, it's just heartening to know that it was one of your favourite memories mm. as a cricket player. And the fact that... Uh... All these years afterwards, after running to the pub, uh, skipping out of work, essentially, to run to the pub to watch you guys win that Test match, I could uh, chat to you about it on uh, on our very own show on TalkSport 2. Brilliant stuff. And we're just going to have to pick another Test match to do next week. You're listening to Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2. Online and on DAB
2: Digital Radio. Darren Goff's Cricket Week on TalkSport 2.
1: So, Goffey, plenty of chat about the IPL this uh, week and on the show, but uh, Big Bash semi-final stage uh, about to get underway this week and uh, not for the first time, Perth scorches uh, in the uh, elimination rounds. I'm pleased to say that uh, a man who has uh, been jettisoned into the side is, uh, joins us now, Tim Bresnan, on the show. And, Tim, you must be enjoying the experience so far.
11: Oh, it's brilliant. Um... No, I love big bash cricket. Um, been lucky enough to play quite a bit now, so um, yeah, it's uh, it's all fun and games. It's uh, it's very enjoyable playing in, in big games against in uh, you know with big crowds.
3: Brez, how you doing? It's Goofy. You all right?
11: coffee Go- how are you, mate?
3: I bet you're loving it out in Perth a bit better than Cas Vegas at this time of year, pal.
11: It's a bit warmer. I'll give you that.
3: <laughs> I mean. Like I said, what you've played in um, most cricket, you've played a lot of cricket around the world now, Brez. And uh, the Big Bash—it's a very enjoyable thing to watch. The time difference in the UK is perfect when you're waking up over here in the morning and you want to watch some cricket. So um, there's plenty of English folk uh, like to watch and keep an interest in the Big Bash. What's it like playing in it compared to some of the other tournaments around the
9: world?
11: Well, um, I can only really compare it to uh, you know the Blast back home. and And from that respect it's very very similar um, but you know it's obviously played in a block um, during the school holidays, so you get heaps more kids down at the ground you know you're you're trying to inspire them as well to uh, to pick up a bat and a ball and play some cricket um, and it's you know it's on every night as well for the for the kids around the country and it's it's at a reasonable time so they can all watch it before they go to bed and as well as come to the ground so you know it's it's really piqued the interest of the of the kids of australia and it's you know great to see
3: and like i say, with the scorchers um you played in the ipl you played at tazzy didn't you now it's the scorchers uh, you did, had a spell last year as well i think it was but they've had carberry they've had bell they've had willie and, and yourself i mean they're an unbelievable team aren't they really justin langer leads the guys well this this they love finals day in fact they love winning it
11: well, yeah, I, mean, I was lucky enough to win it with them last year as well, um, myself and Belly, um, and yeah, Dave Willie, who I came in for a similar sort of deal last year. Um, you know, they, they're, a, they're a more experienced bunch of players than, you know, other big bash teams. And I think it really does show when it gets into the crunch time of the tournament. Um, and, you know, there's big games on the line, you know, like the other day where we needed to beat Adelaide uh, to draw the home semi and the home final. So, um, you know we kept our nerve brilliantly, and uh, Adam Borges it was who smacked an incredible 50 and got us over the line. Uh,
3: what I remember that game is that where you hit the six over the keeper.
11: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Power,
3: yeah. Brez. You've you've always <laughs> had power, mate.
11: <laughs> well, was it... it was a it was a bit dastardly old bowler, wasn't he? Bringing <laughs> third man up and then bowling a bouncer outside off stump, but. No, I'll take them all day long. I thought there's only two balls he can bowl here, and that's a straight Yorker or a straight bouncer. Because if he bowls anything else, it's going to disappear over, over mid-wicket for six, most likely.
3: Mm. And what about uh, the home draw? You've got the Hurricanes. Um, you know some of those guys quite well. They're a decent side as well, aren't they? They've got a strong, strong team this year, the Hurricanes, especially, uh, is it Geoffrey Archer he plays for them?
11: Yeah, Joff Archer and they've got Tamal Mills as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's they've lost sort of a few of their players with the Aussie T20s that are coming up. Um, you know, we've sort of been the Scorchers have sort of been missing um, Australian players here and there. Mitch, Mitch Marsh, Sean got injured during the uh, the Test matches. Bancroft as well, he missed the early start, early stages of the playing in the Test matches, uh, and then we've lost AJ tie and. Uh, Jai Richardson as well, um, but hopefully all the, so some of those blokes coming back now for this semi-final and final stage. But um, the Hurricanes are losing Darcy Short, which is massive for them and you know a big boost for us.
1: Uh, Tim, watching uh, watching from afar, it does seem that the uh, playing at the Wacker seems to add a lot to the. To the the appeal, but also the kind of like um, the atmosphere. They really seem to get behind their team. Do you think you're going to lose any of that moving to the uh, to the new stadium uh, the old Prawn Sandwich Brigade um, and all that?
11: To be honest, uh, I don't think we'll lose the sort of the vocality of the supporters. In fact, I think we'll gain. Well, we're going to gain another forty thousand of them. So um, that'll be a massive boost. I think what will you know, sort of even the playing field a little bit will be the wicket. Um, you know, it, it, even though it did go through uh, on the games that we've played prior t- at the stadium and in the one day of yesterday, um, you know, it's it's, it's, sort of, it's a bit different to the wacker wicket. You know, you don't have the quite the pace and bounce, um, which obviously Mitch Johnson has been really enjoying throughout the tournament. Um, and indeed the other bowlers that bowl at home and know exactly what we're doing, but... um you know, I think that'll just level the playing field. But those extra 30,000 supporters, all dressed in orange, you know, they should level it up a again for us and tip it in our
3: favour. I reckon. The, the new stadium is is fantastic, but I get totally what you're saying, Bres. Because playing at the uh, the Wacker is it's a special place, and there is a certain way to ball and there is a certain way to bat on that pitch, and that's why the Scorchers are such an home advantage when they play at the Wacker. So it kind of evens it a little bit, but Let's say 50,000 people were there for that one day yesterday. What a spectacle.
11: Yeah, it was amazing. I managed to get down for a couple of hours myself. Um, you know, it was uh, it, it was nice to see the stadium um, all dressed up in lights. And, you know, even though it was shining green and gold on the outside, uh, it's nice to see an England win on the inside.
3: <laughs> Have you got the uh, family there, Bress? Or are you out there on your own? Or how's, how's it working? Yeah. You know,
11: well, it was just a short stint this time. Um, so, yeah, I'm out on my own. And obviously, you know, the uh, my uh, little boy, not so little anymore, is actually at school. So it was difficult <laughs> to take him out of school and bring him across.
1: Uh, Tim, you must have kept an eye on the IPL draw as well. Some surprise, I imagine, that your teammates, uh, Johnny Bairstow, Joe Root, Plunkett, Rashid, uh, none of these guys got picked up by IPL teams, but that can only be a good thing for Yorkshire, surely.
11: Well, you think so? Um, yeah, I think Yorkshire are going to get an obvious boost out of all that. But um, you know, we'll see what happens with, uh, especially Joe and Johnny um, being central contracted. They might just get a bit of an extended rest from the ECB, um, not having been picked up. But you know, that's up in the air, and that's uh, that remains to be seen. But. Uh, I spoke to Joe the other day and he's, you know, he's quite keen to get some cricket before the, even though he's got a bit of cricket coming up, he's, he'll be quite keen to get some cricket um, in him before that first test of the summer.
3: Tim, I mean, with the IPL, it's a strange one, isn't it, really? Um, but it always seems to be harder for the English boys to get a, a gig out there. I know we've got eight in now; that's the most we've ever had in there, but so yeah. many other players miss out. And we've got so many good players in in our country, including yourself in T20 cricket, uh, getting on a yep. bit now, but still know what he's doing, still can handle a bat and ball. And, and it's disappointing, really, when you see, think of it, some of the players that missed out on deals this year. You actually feel for them because it's a great experience. Everybody wants to be part of it, no matter the ones who say they don't. Everybody wants to be part of that, that, that APL and that IPL experience. But it's disappointing, it? but they just keep getting ignored, our players.
11: Yeah, I think, you know what I like, obviously it's great for the lads that have been picked up um, and they are, you know, pretty specialist in, in that on that front. But um, I think coaches this year are sort of looking, because it's, you know, two-year contracts that they're signing and the England players have literally got no availability for the following year. Um, you know, so they... You know, even though they're big money signings like Stokes, Stokes proved his worth in that uh, competition last year. Um, I'm sure the other lads will this year. Um, But they're literally paying all that and they're only going to get one year from them. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's
3: difficult for
11: the coaches. It's difficult for the coaches to actually justify, you know, that price tag if, you know, they're only coming in for, say, four or five games the following year.
3: I totally get that. It is that same, because of, is that because of the West Indies tour is it, Bres next year?
11: Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I think so,
3: yeah. Yeah, well yeah, that's a good point actually. But but still, uh this year alone you can get you could get in a replacement, couldn't you for next season? It's quite easily done.
11: Well, yeah, I mean, I think so, and it is pro rata what they get paid, but I think, you know, you obviously lose a spot on your roster um, where you can have someone that is available for the for every game over the two years. Mm. Um You know, and it makes much more sense to pick one like that. Say, like, one of the Aussie lads or, um, you know, a Kiwi or someone like that that just aren't playing any cricket.
1: Or someone that's, you know,
11: retired from test cricket completely and gone the T20 route.
1: Tim, thanks so much for joining us on the show. We'll be keeping an eye out uh, for the scores this week. Uh, uh, Perth Scorchers against Hobart Hurricanes. That's the first uh, semi-final on Thursday. And then Adelaide Strikers against the Melbourne Renegades. Uh, Goffy, so we've got... Uh, actually, we've got about five or six uh, days off away from the cricket after a period of about uh, three months. So there's been incessant <laughs> back-to-back stuff. Um, uh, but uh, the, the Tri-Series coming up, I tell you what, can you ever remember this situation, OK? So, the Tri-Series, England, Australia and New Zealand, OK? The first three games are going to be on BT when the games are in Australia. The second three games, when it goes to New Zealand, are going to be on Sky. How's that work?
3: <laughs> Money talks. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's the problem it um, um, It has. It's been strange, uh, actually, uh, but we've been... When, when you want to watch the one-dayers over here, but we're picking up um, Australian commentators and then we got shoved over to the studio. I found that really, really odd, um, I, I will be honest. Um, I, I, I don't understand why they didn't stay out there for the uh, one-day series, but um, that's the way it's done these days. And it is going to be weird, isn't it? Two different um, TV uh, giants <laughs> are going to be hosting... <laughs> <laughs> specialist. One's a specialist in Australia and obviously one's a specialist for New Zealand by the well, looks
1: obviously of it. so. Just have to uh, keep listening to TalkSport. I'll be covering it for... Uh, I'll be covering it no matter what. Um, Goffy, mate, that's it. I mean, what a show we brought you this week. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, thanks so much for your time. You're listening to uh, Talk Sport 2 and that was Daryl Goff's Cricket Week.